<laughs> okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Uh, um, thank you, Jim Willis. I appreciate you being here, Ken. It's an honor to have you here once again. Uh, I have Jim here, for, uh, author of Ancient Gods, Lost Histories, Hidden Truths, and the Conspiracy of Silence. He's going to give us a little bit of uh, his inner thoughts on it uh, from the questions that we asked from him personally. Um, I plan on having this as a great episode. So uh, here we go. We'll go ahead and start. Uh, how you doing, Jim? Good, good. Hey, uh, Tyrone, before we do anything, I understand you yeah. served in Afghanistan? Uh, yes, I was uh, in Iraq thank twice and Afghanistan twice. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your service. That must have been a oh, harrowing yeah. time. It was an insane. Yeah, I, um, I, uh, I actually was uh, wounded uh, my last tour. That's what I, I, that's what I understand, yeah. Yeah, and then I picked up this hobby of gaining knowledge. <laughs> well, you're you're quite, I mean, I assume no one's going to be shooting at you today, so it's a bit safer. <laughs> but, but wow, that I, must have been, uh, that must have been something. Yeah. We're more Still likely right. to be shooting at you today, Jim. Oh, yeah, we got, <laughs> hey, um, I don't know if you, uh, if Ken ever told you this, but I know he spoke to you in the past. I got all the tabs from your books. I got a great oh, screen, so I, I, mean, I, I tab everything. That, I'm in um, trouble now. <laughs> I actually got, I went through them and went through the nice ones. I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> but no, I, I, I actually do that because it helps me um, go back and, and uh, research what it is I don't understand. And, well, you know, Tyrone, I, I, I really appreciate it. You, it's, it's, it's a, it's an honor to have somebody, uh, you know, put that much uh, time and effort into your work. It, it's uh, you have no idea how much it, uh, it's, it, 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 it's a boost. You know, I sit out here in the middle of the woods and I write books or I talk on the computer to somebody, and I have no idea if anybody is out there, you know, listening or caring about or anything. So this is uh, I I feel very uh, very honored to see your your uh, tagged book like that. <laughs> really really appreciate it. Yeah, I have I have three different colors because I went through it three different times. <laughs> hey, but you know the funny the, the good thing about that though Jim is like this book particularly um and I know you've written a lot of other books as well. Uh, but particularly in this book, I tell I like to recommend this book uh, to people who are just, um, you know, starting to get interested in in all of these. Like, I mean, what is this? Is, we're talking about ancient aliens. We're talking about religion. Yeah. We're talking about yeah. mythology. And anybody who's getting interested in in any of those um, kind of ideas, this book kind of has all of that. Now, it mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily go into detail in a lot, but yeah. this is kind of like the place to start. And then you get out your shovel and start digging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I've I've talked to uh, uh, Andrew Collins in the past about this. And although I haven't right. talked, I haven't talked to uh, Graham Hancock, um, I consider both of those two guys, uh, you know, researchers, they're boots on yeah. the ground, they go out and, right. and, and they do mm -hmm. the legwork. I consider myself more of a of a reporter. Um, I sit back and and try to read as much as I can about other people's mm -hmm. research and then try to synthesize it as much. Uh, I think both both jobs are important. For a long time in my life, back when I was younger, um, I I wanted to do more uh, research, and I did I did some travel to uh, uh, Israel and Egypt, for instance, and and mm -hmm. uh, places like that. 
but now to be honest at the ripe old age of 76 looking at 77 square in the face uh, it's a lot more comfortable <laughs> to let let the younger generation do some of that work but uh, right. there's a tremendous amount of work being done in this field nowadays about <laughs> where did the ancient gods yeah. came from and uh, you kind of owe it all to uh, well i guess it all we kind of have to owe it all to Eric von Daniken at the beginning, and then uh, right. later, how can you, how can you ignore uh, Zechariah Sitchin? No matter what the people, uh, he, I know he has a lot of people who agree with him, a lot of people who disagree with him. Yeah, but you can't, you can't ignore the uh, the work that he's done. Yeah, and so with those, with those two, uh, it all started. Uh, I even find it interesting that uh, those books came out. Uh, it, 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 it's uh, following, you know, shortly after uh, Carl Jung's book um, on uh, Help from the Skies, or I think he called it. He was, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that Carl Jung wrote a book about um, UFOs as they were called back then, <laughs> uh, you know, they're trying to change, change the, uh, the letters now, but he wrote a book about it. And uh, he, he was talking, of course, about the archetypal idea of people looking to the skies for help. And right. this also came out at the very same time that uh, back in the sixties, when uh, Hal Lindsey's book, late great planet earth came out in the Christian context, which talked about the end of the world and the coming of Jesus Christ and the, the rapture where Christians were going to be taken up and, you know, snatched up into heaven. And all of this stuff happened about the same time. There was a, about a 20 year period in American history when uh, all of a sudden we started looking to the skies. Now, yeah. of course, of course we've been doing that for thousands and thousands of years, but it became, dare I say, popular. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if it was just because for the first time uh, mass media was such that we were starting to be connected uh, even before the internet, at least, you know, people could read the same books and, and all that kind of thing. That that could have been this, the situation. Or it could have been something was, something was really going on. Something was happening. And uh, we reached a kind of a collective... Um, yearning to look beyond ourselves and to look up and to see something more so all of these uh, all these people from totally different backgrounds and totally different uh, stages of of academia who probably wouldn't even get along if you put them all in the same room <laughs> and yet they all they all seem to say the same thing and it became really a big a, a big deal <clears throat> and uh, i you know, people say, well, it won't last. It's just a fad. Well, it's yeah. it's, last, it's lasting so far. <laughs> you know, it hasn't faded out yet. You're absolutely right, because uh, you got shows like Ancient Aliens and you have Ancient yeah. Apocalypse and stuff like you have all these uh, these shows and, and, and movies and all this stuff out here. And they, you know, I, um, I watch a lot of different shows with my wife on Netflix. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the shows is uh, like uh it could be about witches and they'll go back to the Sumerians. Mm -hmm. It'll be about um, vampires. They'll go back to the Sumerians. The Sumer they'll actually say, <laughs> they'll say the word, they'll say their names in the show. Uh, Lucifer, you know, they talked about the cuneiform tablets and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when you watch these shows and you have this knowledge about what they're talking about, it makes that show just that much more interesting. You yeah. know, it was already interesting because it caught your attention for you to watch it. But now you're like, hey, now they're implementing something that, you know, I have knowledge on something that's a big question. What are these uh, right, these right. these guys? Who are they and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 
and and I find it it also really interesting that all this is happening amidst a background of um, uh, attendance at places like churches and synagogues mm-hmm. uh, is is dropping dropping like crazy. Churches are closing mm-hmm. right and left. And yet uh, people say, well, we're losing religion. Well, maybe so, but the sense of spirituality is sure up high because right. people are still looking for meaning. They're just looking outside the traditional uh, religious outlets that uh, served mm-hmm. them for so long. Yeah, well, looking that's outside we're, looking, we're looking for an answer. And, you mm-hmm. know, the, yeah. the established yeah. answer that has been, um, you know, spoon fed, I guess, in the last hundred years, we're like, well, that standard answer isn't really cutting it anymore. Yeah, it's like, right. you know, that's yeah. maybe that's part of the truth, but there's definitely something more to it. And yeah. in the in the institutional establishment, they're like, no, this is all there is, and yeah, and we're yeah, just yeah. no, it's not. I I I I think we're seeing a split between religion and spirituality. Um, on my website, and uh, I hope your listeners would would go to the website um uh it'll take you to my youtube page the web, website is uh, jimwillis.net but on my youtube page i have um I, I did a video some time ago about uh it's called one ring to rule them all um uh, i didn't make that up by the way <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it seems was familiar. It, 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 uh, the idea was uh, at, at the back of the uh underneath all of it was that all of the religions that we call, you know, well, today, take the big five, for instance, you know, Hinduism and Buddhism, and then Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Um, They all began with, uh, with a possible exception of of Hinduism, they all began with a founder uh, having what really you can only call a shamanic experience, uh, a kind of an out-of-body experience or vision that is very common with uh, American Indians, for instance, uh, uh, very common with uh, religious experience all over the world, where somebody has a vision, an out-of-body experience, a shamanic experience that somehow takes them out of themselves, Mm -hmm. and they uh, try to come back and they try to express it. Uh, Jesus came out of this time in the... uh, was at least as the story goes, uh, out of his 40 days in the wilderness, and he preached the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Mm -hmm. Buddha had his great uh, enlightening experience under the bow tree, and he preached the Deer Park Discourse. Moses heard the burning bush, and he came out and came out with the 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 law of the, the basis of 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 Judaism. Um, Muhammad went out to the out to the desert. Um, while his wife was running the business, he had time to go out and 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 meditate and meditate. And finally, as the story goes, the angel Gabriel came to him and and said, "Right." And the result was the Quran. And these were all mystical shamanic experiences. Uh, and then around those experiences came a group of followers uh, who took a, a, a spiritual insight and tried to build a fence around it, and that's called a mm-hmm. religion. And uh, I think the religion are, is kind of breaking down today. People are saying, no, uh, I got to have more than this, especially the religions that are saying ours is the only way. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or and, the only one. Yeah, yeah, the only one, right. And I I, I think a lot of times people come to me and say, well, you know, I've, I've had this experience. This has been, I have to 
leave my religion? And I generally try to say, no, go in farther into it. Um, it's it's all there if 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 we uh, uh, if we follow it through. I've been reading the Bible again uh, during this Christmas season. Uh, mm-hmm. I try to every couple of years. I try to read the Bible from start to finish because my right, my roots right, right. my roots are in Christianity, you know. So, right, right. Uh, and I've been a, a, a systematic theologian for my whole life, and I certainly don't read the Bible now the same way I did when I was a fundamentalist or an evangelical or even a liberal Christian. I mean, I haven't I haven't even set foot in a church for fourteen years now. Mm-hmm. But I still find uh, in the texts a tremendous amount of wisdom and insight and, dare I say it, a comfort if you read it correctly as, as you know, uh, and, and you know, I, I, I like to say I take the Bible seriously. I don't take it literally. Yeah, it's, right, it's, right. It's, I like the way you put that. It, it's the same with so many of the ancient texts. They can teach us so much. Uh because we make a big mistake when when we think that these original authors were uh, somehow um, less sophisticated than we are. They were deep thinkers. As a matter of fact, probably they were deeper thinkers than most people today. Because mm-hmm. back then they had they had the time and the opportunity to concentrate. And today we're just bombarded by so much information. We we can't sit down and spend years, you know, developing all the distractions also. I mean, yeah, right. You're absolutely right. You sit down and read a book for five, 10 minutes. Like I'll read a book and I find something that's that I don't understand what this word is, or I don't understand what they're saying. Let me pick up my phone and look it up because it's a great technology is great. It helps us out if you use it correctly. And I'll pick it up and I'll search it in there. Then I'll, you know, I'll be like, well, let me check this real quick. And then let me yeah, I'm curious to ask both of you this question, because I've I've asked a lot of people the same question. Uh, you know, the technology that we have nowadays, I mean, let's face it, in one way, it's wonderful because it allows mm-hmm. people like us to talk who would probably never have met otherwise. Uh, I mean, we're miles and miles apart, you know, and, and so it's wonderful in that regard. On the other hand, um, I find something disturbing about myself, and that's that I have a hard time sitting still and just being like I used to be. When I came home from high school, when I wasn't playing basketball with the guys or mm-hmm. throwing football around or something, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd put on a Brahms symphony and listen to mm-hmm. it all the way through, you know, 40 minutes of heavy-duty classical music. And I loved it. I went, and uh, now I find myself saying... Uh, but by the time the third movement comes in, oh man, I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, my <laughs> attention span seems to be getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> I, I, I watch a lot of YouTube on my television because I, mm. my daughter hooked me up with a fire stick and I watch a lot of uh, YouTube presentations. And um, if I find myself with two titles that are the same and one of them is eight minutes and one of them is, you know, 50 minutes. I'll go with the eight minute one first. Just, <laughs> you know. And I'm, I'm ashamed of it. You know, I'm disappointed in myself. But have have you had that feeling? I mean, do, do you feel your attention span actually shrinking in this modern age? Both of you? Yeah, for me, yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, like, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll be reading something very interesting and I'll go pick up my phone, look up the word on that, you know, try to get the origins of the word or whatever the case may be. 
And then next thing you know, I'm on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, everything else. Cause I have, <laughs> I have all these, um, uh, social, uh, sites for, for my, um, from my, from my website, basically, you know, I present yeah, all sure. my information on. So I go and look and try to, you know, like I like to comment, uh, on my stuff that people comment on my on whatever post it is. So yeah, yeah. my my attention stand gets all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like I I will say though that like in in your defense Jim, I I think that we do have to value our time. Yeah. And, uh, that's so, true. You know, yeah. if if you can learn about something in 8 minutes, then that's better than learning about it in 50 minutes. And then there's still the 50 minute one there too if maybe you want to dive deeper into it yeah, um so like a good way to put it i really try to protect my my time and my what i'm investing in especially when it comes to videos like you know people will send me videos uh in you know in any text or something like that nine times out of ten i will not even watch the video i'll, I'll just mm-hmm. like give them a thumbs up or a smile or something yeah ha yeah. you know i assume yeah. it's supposed to be a funny video okay i'll say ha <laughs> i mean i have a little bit of a weird sense of humor too so a lot of times <laughs> what people think is funny i'm like no nah, that's not funny <laughs> yeah. but um but yeah i think i think it's good to um to kind of be uh, be intentional about yeah. what you're spending yeah. time doing. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you're doing okay because you're pumping out books. Um, I, so yeah. you catch enough to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's a little worrisome though because with uh, a much larger audience out there that's not necessarily buying the books but they they read the reviews and then feel qualified to write about them you know how that works <laughs> yeah yeah but i just i'm coming out uh, i have a, a big book coming out in march with uh visible ink on american cults and oh, cool. um, i talked about the whole idea of uh cults in america uh, beginning back with the pilgrims who originally came here as a, a puritans rather who came here as a, a cult mm-hmm. really i mean that's what they were called in england and so we have a great history of it. Only trouble is I had to stop writing about American cults uh, last September 15th to get into the publisher in time. It's coming out in March. And oh. uh, and since then, there has been so much happening about some of the cults that I wrote about and some of the groups and organizations that I wrote about. Uh, I, I wasn't able to put in this whole trial, for instance, that uh, swirled around January 6th and of all the uh, the different groups that were represented there and everything. So I'm, I'm almost a little bit worried about this one because I've got a stinking suspicion I'm going to start getting some flack. So as a kind of a uh, antidote to that, uh, I wrote uh, a, an autobiography that was... Uh, it's going to be coming out probably January and February. It's it's not really an autobiography, but it's a story of the last uh, seven century, seven decades of American history. Mm-hmm. Each decade had a, a kind of a, a different feel to it, and it's the story of a spiritual seeker and uh, how he um, made his. How, you know how he lived his life during those seven dec- seven decades, beginning back in the fifties when everything was theoretically perfect. Everybody looks back to a golden age, which, depending on who you were, I suppose, <laughs> makes a big difference. And then the sixties and that living through all of that, and then of course the seventies and the the eighties and the whole dot com thing. And each one of those took a, a different approach for someone who was seeking spirituality. 
So that that book is coming out next year. Okay. And uh, so it's it's and then I've uh, Jan and I are self-publishing one. My my daughter Jan is my my colleague in my business and my next door neighbor and my 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 best friend and all that kind of thing. And we're bringing out a book uh, called Sabuco and Me about uh, the uh, spirit guide that I first met when I started having out of body experiences. And uh, mm -hmm. so that's coming out. So a lot of a lot of stuff's coming out next year. We'll have to we'll see how it goes. But yeah, we'll we'll find out. <laughs> cool that's, that's, that's awesome i got a, i got a lot of catching up with you because you do have a lot of books out there i'm just so intrigued with this book that that i have right here is is because you it's like like kim was saying earlier um he recommend when he recommends people to, to that's interested in the field of these many theories this is one of the best books out there because it literally gives you a bullet view of all these theories, like you don't go in depth into it because you don't, I, I don't see you uh, actually saying your basic opinions on here. You basically yeah. give people there um, yeah. an idea of where to start. If you're interested in, let's say the Anunnaki, mm -hmm. this is where you start at. This is who, you know, brought the, the, uh, the, the spotlight on the situation or whatever you may call it. And yeah. you, yeah. and it's interesting how you put it. So yeah, I definitely have to play catch up with your books. I actually, after I read this book, I, when I did all these tabs, I actually started to do the research based off of your books because you gave me um a pinpoint of you know oh, where you. to find certain things because like i mean if you followed like zechariah sitchin stayed with what his ideas were but you was given not only zechariah sitchin's ideas you was given you know multiple ideas of where yeah. it possibly came from and stuff like that yeah that's and and it's it it's it's nice to know that you know these books have a shelf life. I mean, I don't know when America when uh, Ancient Gods came out. It was a couple of years ago, anyway. I'm sure, mm -hmm. but it's nice to know that um, there's no real shelf life on them. Uh, Ken, you'll be interested to know. I I, I Ken published uh, three of my books through his publishing company mm -hmm. uh, that were a trilogy based on uh, ego, the rise of ego and narcissism in today's world, and they were based on three mythologies. Uh, one was Oh, Ken, you have to help me out here. One Merlin. was Mer Merlin, and the yeah. other one, the other one was uh, then uh, Robin Robin Hood. Robin Hood and, and Snow White. Snow White, yeah. yeah. And uh, I just got a call out of the blue. A guy wanted to do a podcast on. It. I did. I did one just a week or two ago with him. So it's cool. nice to know that people are still coming into that uh, that kind of thing. But uh, ancient gods. The great thing about a subject like ancient gods is there's there is no shelf life. It goes back a long, long way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the whole idea about who the gods were, and what were the gods, and uh, as a kind of a well, uh, someone who had 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 to write the overview on the whole thing. It's it's just amazing to see all the different ideas that are out there. And I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, it, it was like I said, I've read it three times already, so, oh, and I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna read it again and again and again because, like I said, there's so much information in there that uh, you can't just re read read it one time. I mean, you read it one time, oh. you'll miss out like so much. Like, oh. you really will. Tyrone, you're making me want to go read it again too. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> Hey, I can advertise. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but seriously, because um, when I picked it up, because um, Ken mentioned it earlier, and, and I think you said something about it earlier too. But Eric von Donneken was uh, uh, 
the, is basically the founders of the ancient alien theories. Yep. When we yep. go to the ancient alien theories, he's he's the founder of that. Yeah, he, and, he never uh, he never used the term, but he's he is the yeah. instigator of the whole thing. Right. Yeah, yeah he exactly. Started. And then shortly after Zechariah Sitchin came out, and of course, like you said, some people say they agree with him, some people don't. Um, yeah. I'm more of that type of person. I just want to see what the original text is. I don't, I don't go either way because if you're, if you, I don't, I can't translate any of the ancient text. So who am I to tell you what you understand from what you've read from it? Yeah. But I can mm -hmm. only go off of what academics say. You know, I, yeah. I, uh, if they say, hey, this is what it says, then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna wonder, hey, where did you get your information and why? Because I want to, I want to understand what your ideas is. Because yep. when I started yeah. my website yeah. like two years ago, uh, my whole point was uh, puzzle pieces. You know, you know what a puzzle is. Everybody knows what a puzzle is. You put it together piece by piece, and you get a full picture of what you yep. of what it was. And um, it, without the box actually showing what picture it is, every uh, picking up every piece is more of a challenge because you don't know what to actually look for. You know, you already have that, that um, pre-notion of what the picture uh, would look like when you buy the box. But if you just get random puzzle pieces from different places, yeah. putting them together is yeah. different. So, you know, I wanted to take puzzle pieces from everybody because I read from everybody. I, I, I have yet to share any of my opinions. Now, when somebody asked me for my parents, then yeah, you know, I'll tell them and I'll be sure. like, this is the reason why I would not. But I try to stay away from my opinions because my opinions are going to change based off of new information. That's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Ken, Ken, Ken does more work in the original languages these days than I do. I, I used to do a lot more, but uh, I, I discovered something through reaching, reading, uh, a Sitchin that um, it it kind of in in a way almost disturbed me about myself, not what he was saying, but about something about myself. Um, I'm going to have to. I don't, do we have time for me to tell you a kind of a kind of a long story to set this up? Oh, it, it's it's going to it's going to sound like I'm not talking about what we're talking about, but I'll get I'll get I'll get to <laughs> it through the back door. Trust me. Um, when I was uh, a fundamentalist Christian, and I'm, I'm talking 50 years ago now, uh, I found myself one time uh, in a in a, a real quandary about the texts because. Um, you know, fundamentalists have a great healthy respect for the text of the scriptures and the Bible. And, uh, you know, I read some Hebrew and I read a lot of Greek and uh, I I was teaching the Bible as a systematic theologian. And and I believe the in back then in what evangelical Christians today call the inerrancy of scripture. And so I found myself at my my desk one Saturday night working on a sermon and I was doing what I normally did. I, I would get together a text from here and a text from there, a text from the New Testament, a text from the Old Testament, weave them all together, and then mm -hmm. put forth this great thing that was going to change the world because the Bible says it, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, all of a sudden, it hit me that I, I wasn't preaching about God. I was preaching about my particular interpretation of a particular text. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, my whole world just absolutely fell apart. I, I realized that uh, all of the stuff I had studied the scriptures, and let's face it, I, you know, I mean, I, I knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. I had taught the Bible for years and, and and read it over and over again, and it was always through a particular 
lens, you know, this, oh yeah, this is this and this is that. And that's what this means. And that's what that means. But I, you know, you become aware after a while that there are discrepancies there, you know, right. you, be, mm -hmm. you become aware of the, after a while that, uh, you know, this doesn't agree with this. And right. how many, how many times did Jesus cleanse the temple? Well, of course, if we're mm -hmm. going to take the all four gospels into account. He had to do it twice, once at the beginning of his ministry and once at the end and, and all of this kind of stuff. And, uh, I realized I was just, I, you know, I, I had taken a, a particular reading of the biblical texts and put that on the throne and kicked God off. Mm -hmm. And it really, it, it, it put me for a loop. But for a while, I thought I was going to have to leave the ministry. I really did because I just, you know, couldn't see it anymore. And I didn't know any other way to read the Bible. And so it gave me a, a great, uh, sense of, well, be careful if you're just talking about texts. And I discovered over the years that this also applies to uh, other ancient texts. And I, uh, Tyrone, I was in the same place that you were. Uh, I, I read what, you know, the, what uh, Sumerians or Babylonians, you know, uh, said. And then I read what Sitchin said. And, and for instance, take the word uh, Anunnaki. Uh, I knew the, the mm -hmm. traditional economic, I mean, uh, academic, you know, definition of it. And then along comes Sitchin, who was one of, I think at the time when it was translated, what, five or six people in the world who could read the ancient texts. And he said, no, that's not what Anunnaki means. Here's what it means. Uh, heaven to earth, come down, all that kind of stuff. And I, I, so I had to make a choice between the two. What do I go with, academic understanding or Sitchin? And because I'm kind of a maverick and because I found Sitchin fascinating, I went with Sitchin's explanation. But after a while, it occurred to me, wait a minute, uh, I'm not even sure Sitchin is right. I'm not even sure the academics are right. You know, uh, we have to be, I think we have to take the texts as a great jumping off point. But if we develop a, uh, for lack of a better word, a religion around it or a belief system around it, then we're doing the same thing that uh, fundamentalist Christians do with the Bible. We're reading it in a certain way and saying, this is the way it is. And uh, this is what the words mean and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I began to think, well, maybe there's other ways of trying to interpret what this all was all about. And it it really was freeing all of a sudden to have the texts there because the texts definitely give us at least what the original authors were thinking. Right. But on the other hand, uh, just because they were thinking it doesn't necessarily mean it's true, you know? So, yeah. So we have to be careful, uh, uh, and and uh, it 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 was a very freeing thing for me to realize that you know all even the texts they're as good as they are. There's they're they're a wonderful source, but there's other sources. There's yeah. oral history. There's mythology. There's archaeology. There's mm. common sense, yep. uh, and and I think we have to employ all of these, or we're apt to go down a primrose path pretty quick. Oh yeah, I agree with you because um, it, it's amazing to like like you said, <clears throat> um, you had the the academics version of the Anunnaki, and then you had Zechariah Sitchin. I I also at the time um, uh, uh, went with Sitchin's idea because that's the only one that I knew at the time. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know the academic one. When I learned the academic one, I was like, oh okay, and I was like, well, what's the difference between the two? Because at the time. Um, I know from reading uh, Samuel Noah Kramer, George Smith, and 
um, Andrew George, their translations is based on their interpretation. You know, it's it's their personal interpret interpretation. And I know that Sumerian writing system started off based off of pictographs, which is basically pictures, you know, yeah, um, something yeah. showing just like the almost like the emojis that we see today in text messages, a picture shirt said a certain word or it could be identified as a certain word and stuff. So like you said, it came from when it, the oral traditions, when they started becoming from oral traditions to the writing system, it became those people's translation. So when Zachariah Sitchin came up with his idea, it wasn't until um, maybe like a year or two after I, I bought his book, The Anunnaki Chronicles. Uh, uh -huh. I believe his niece actually wrote, uh, finished publishing the book on on his behalf of uh, work that wasn't published. And I and I actually learned that he learned the the uh, meaning of the Anunnaki. Why I believe it was in Sunday school when he was little. Huh. Wow. So yeah, it's yeah. actually it's in there. I, I, I um I'll, I'll send it to you after this, but yeah. um I'll definitely I, I was like wow is, that's interesting because that means that should it, if that's true it's telling me he had interest in this when he was much younger, which yeah. many people don't understand. And at that time, um you know the the history of the Sumerians and, and, and Akkadians and all that, um, you know, it, it was all over the place because everybody was uh, digging their hands in and, yeah. you know, basically trying to spit out their interpretations. And then later, later on, we have revised versions of what they wrote. Yeah. And you get a much clearer picture. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to know that somebody else thought like that also. Yeah. You know, the texts, as, as, as you say, that, you know, they can lead us into a, uh, um, you know, a tremendous insight, but when we sit back and say, what really happened, what are they, mm -hmm. what are they describing that for instance, um, who were the ancient gods? Right. We like to, we like to think that, well, they're either this or that, but there's actually, uh, I, I think it's six now completely different theories about where the ancient gods came from and and who they who they really were, uh, we know for a fact that between forty thousand years ago and forty six thousand years ago, something happened to the human race. Uh, we know that because of archaeology, uh, forty to forty six thousand years ago, I may, uh, in in some cases a lot earlier, but that's mm -hmm. generally considered the beginning of it. When these ancient shamans, these ancient gifted spiritual leaders began to climb deep, deep back underneath the mountains into the, into caves that were dark and dangerous and, and dank. And you know, how's that for alliteration? <laughs> and, and they began to climb back there and crawl back. And it was, it was dangerous. And they began to draw pictures on the walls. And, uh, you know, they came out and tried to explain what those pictures were. It was the beginning of what anthropologists call symbolic thought. So, okay, 40 to 46,000 years ago. Now, we know that human beings have been around for at least 200,000 years, and probably, I think it's probably closer to 300,000 or even more. But uh, during that all that time, from let's even say 200,000 years ago until about 40, 46,000 years ago, you know, not that much happened. I mean, we were pretty much going along business as usual until mm -hmm. something happened that caused this explosion of symbolic thought and art which uh, 35,000 years later would lead to texts, uh, religious texts and everything else. So we ask ourselves, well, 
Well, what happened 40 to 46,000 years ago? Obviously, uh, our species at least wasn't writing that we know about. Uh, there may have been other species. I'm, uh, as as you you know from reading my stuff, I mm -hmm. I don't think we're the first species to come down right. the pike. But at any rate. Um, you know, there's at least six di different explanations of what happened. There are some people who say, well, uh, one uh, possibility is uh, ancient gods uh, that were actually spiritual realities, uh, angels, demons, spirit guides, entities from another time, uh, entities from another dimension. Or in monotheism, we have the whole idea about, about God um, that, you know, this something happened, God, in one way or another, a supernatural being that we refer to as God, reached down, touched human beings, and said, go to it, go forth and multiply and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Uh, but there was a whole other idea. Uh, some people believe that forty to 46,000 years ago, something kicked off in our evolutionary exploration. Uh, and uh, we evolved to the point where we could start to think different than other animals. As far as we know, we're the first species on earth to uh, believe in God. Uh, I've got a, my, my daughter has a wonderful dog named Lena, who's smart as a whip, but as far as I'm concerned, she thinks she's God, but I don't think she believes in God. You know? <laughs> um, but then, the, but then there's a third thing, and here's where Sitchin, of course, came in, and that's what I call the help from the outside theory, that mm -hmm. 40 to 46,000 years ago, um, something came from outside. It was either ancient aliens, or it was uh, spiritual dimensions, or across some, somebody in some other dimension figured out how to step into this world. Um, that sounds terribly heretical to Christians. And yet at this time of year, the Christians all over are standing up and saying, hark the herald angels sing glory to the mm -hmm. newborn king. And I think it's say that's a song about ancient aliens. Uh, you know, it's a, mm -hmm. a group of beings called angels stepped out of the, uh, out of the ether, stepped into our dimension and began to give us a religious message, you know? Um, but then there's another one uh, that says 40 to 46,000 years ago, maybe early shamans somehow discovered hallucinogenics, uh, magic mushrooms, or learned how to mix plants together like ayahuasca or whatever. And uh, and that opened up parts of our minds that before had never been opened before. Um, the, 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 the one that I like, the, the, the fifth way of explaining ancient gods, I, I, I really like this one because it's coming back into a thing. Uh, that's the cosmic ray idea. Uh, I just saw a, a video on this last week that I'm going to have to look into because apparently there are a number of uh, scientists or geologists right now who are saying that something actually happened to the Earth. Uh, perhaps it was a, a cosmic a cosmic ray from an, an exploding thing that bathed the world in some kind of, of ray that we've never, you know, energy that we've never had before. Perhaps it was a, a shift of the earth's poles or something like that, that uh, jolted us, so to speak, and opened up sections of the mind that uh, we had never had before. 
and uh, the sixth way of talking about the ancient gods, I like to call it the "Give me the boy, give me the beat boys" theory. Uh, you know, they learned uh, "Give me the beat boys" and "Free my soul, play those drums." I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. You know, we learned that through monotonous drumming, or the coming over that that same beat over and over again, that it can affect something within us. And these are all different ways of trying to explain where the ancient gods came from. All we can say for sure, we don't know which of these ways is true, really. I mean, we can all have our ideas, and I'm sure the three of us do too. But all we know is that the archaeological and anthropological record shows beyond a shadow of a doubt that something happened between 40,000 and 46,000 years ago to our species. Uh, and we don't know what it was. Uh, were the mm -hmm. ancient gods, did they come from a, a lost civilization? You know, and were mm -hmm. they just so technologically evolved that people thought that they were they were gods? Um, which is, you know, of course, Andrew, I mean, um, uh, Graham Hancock has made this very, very, very famous. Uh, Ken, Ken, Ken has made it very famous in some of his <laughs> books too, you know, which is, and it's a perfectly valid and, and rational explanation. Uh, but again, you know, and Ken will be the first to say too, I mean, how, how can we know for sure? Uh, right. right now we can't, but that doesn't mean we won't be able to somehow. We, there, perhaps mm -hmm. there's other ways of finding out, uh, perhaps yeah. through intuition, perhaps through meditation, perhaps if other people from other dimensions can find a way to get through to this dimension, perhaps we can find a way to get through to their dimension and become gods in some other dimension uh, through out-of-body experience. We just, it's its fascinating. I, I just find the whole subject, uh, you know, really, really exciting. Yeah, there's just so many different um, streams of evidence. Yeah. And, you know, like Tyrone was saying, they're puzzle pieces. And, um, you know, it's it's great for Sitchin to to show us his his picture, oh, but yeah. he's not he's not holding up the individual pieces and showing us here's this piece that goes here. He just says, here's a nice picture that I made. It's yeah. a great picture. Um, but then there's all these other puzzle pieces from, you know, totally different fields. You know, you yeah. mentioned like, yeah, do mushrooms, do meditation, play drums. Um, and th each of those things will will enhance your experience of whatever this crazy thing is that's going on yeah, around yeah. us. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's going on. You, you said the magic words when you said it's going on around us and we're sometimes we're just, we're just unaware. It's not that, yeah. you know, the gods aren't playing peekaboo with us or anything like that. We're just kind of dumb sometimes. Uh, yeah. All my life as a minister, when I was inactive, uh, in, in the act of clergy of course i'd have to go to the bedsides of people who were dying and uh, a lot of times i've stood right there in the hospital room or in a you know in a, a room in his house or something like that or her house and i've actually held their hand while they were drawing their last breath and and, and dying and uh, a number of times i mean i don't want to say well maybe maybe about a dozen times in in 40 or 50 years I had an experience of somebody who actually um, was, uh, I thought they were dead. The doctors thought they were dead. The machines hooked up to them, thought they were dead. And then they would come back and they would open their eyes and they would tell me stories about seeing somebody at the foot of the bed 
uh, it was a presence or an entity or a light or I loved one or something like that. Now, I was a minister. I used to preach about the reality of angels and the preach about the reality of Jesus and the preach about heaven, all that kind of stuff. But I didn't accept it <laughs> myself. I mean, I was really a, a doubter uh, until I started after after I left ministry and I started having my own out-of-body experiences and began to see some of these entities. Now I feel so ashamed of myself. I just kicked myself because I could have learned so much from these people. It was right there in front of me. They actually saw something mm -hmm. and they were trying to tell me about it. And I was too blind to see it. I didn't accept it. And uh, I'm, like I say, I'm ashamed of myself now. And I'm also kicking myself for tremendous missed opportunities to find out so much more from these people who may have been just, you know, they, they weren't theologians like I were. They didn't have, like I was, they didn't have a, you know, great systematic theology guiding their life and all that kind of stuff. All they had was the experience of a reality beyond this one. And mm -hmm. I, I wish I had listened. <laughs> I really wish I had. Yeah. Listened. You know, that's, that's, I think maybe one of the biggest problems in, in Western civilization right now is, is the way that we're thinking and yeah, how yeah. we discredit uh, experience. Yeah. Even right. like, unless if it's my experience, okay. I still might not believe it, but I at least, well, there's something there, but if it's right. your experience, then, oh, it's, you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, yeah. Come I, on. I, I love, I love the old saying that says uh, um, a religious person yeah. is someone who talks to God and uh, a crazy person is someone to whom God talks. <laughs> you know? yeah. God uh, talks back. Yeah, when, when God talks, when, when God talks back, that's proof you're crazy. You know. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it. It is sad. It it yeah. it's a shame. It really is. Yeah. You know that that's that's what kind of got me on my journey. Um, visions. Um, uh, I talk about this a lot because uh, it helps me cope with it. Um, I know a lot of uh, Vietnam vets and World War II vets never really talked about their their combat experiences yes. and stuff like that. And I don't get too much in depth in it. But um, when I was wounded in Afghanistan, I had an outer body, it seemed like an outer body experience. Something happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then eventually I, I had to get out the military because, uh, you know, my wounds were taken over and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but um, I started to have uh, sleep paralysis. I didn't even know what sleep paralysis was. They, uh -huh. the, the doctors always called it sleep paralysis. I, uh -huh. I tell them I'll be like, "Hey, I'm. I'll go to. Um, I'll try to fall, or I'll fall asleep, and then I'll wake up, and I can't move, and I'll start seeing seeing stuff. And I thought I was going crazy because at the time I was on a lot of medication. I mean, when I sure. got wounded, I was on a lot of medication, so yeah. I always always chucked it up to you know to the pills and stuff. So I was always arguing with the doctors and stuff saying, Hey, these pills are doing this and that and whatever. And, um, they started changing the pills, but the stuff never changed. My sleep paralysis was that bad. Um, yeah. I started seeing things and then I started learning about astral projection and sleep paralysis, mm -hmm. um, having a connection with the two. And then I started learning, Oh, astral projection. So now I'm starting to, for the, like maybe the last five or six years, I've been practicing astral projection and um sometimes i can do it sometimes i can't but it, it just seems like it just it's like a hit and miss and i do meditate a lot like before i never meditated i have yeah. uh tibetan singing bowls 
And, you know, I, I meditate. I go in my backyard. I have a nice size backyard. It's really dark. I can see the stars and stuff. I'll go back there and pull out my telescope. I'll meditate for like 30, 45 minutes. Then I'll go out there and look at my telescope and look at the moon and stuff like that. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and I'll have these little, you know, and I, I also um, was diagnosed with like lucid dreaming. Like my dreams were yes. very, 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 very vivid. Like, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I can, it, it's scary sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. all that stuff put me on this journey on where I'm at now. Yep. And um, when I read the Bible, um, I have the Hebrew Bible, the translation from Robert Alter and his commentary. I've read the uh, the King James Version and the New International Version. Just like yeah. you, I try to read the Bible as much as I can. At least once a year, I try to read the whole entire Bible. Yeah, yeah. And um, every time I get to a, uh, something, less, let's just say Ezekiel, since uh, a lot of this is about ancient gods, I, the Anunnaki or whatnot. Um, Ezekiel seen a wheel that can move front to back, side to side in any direction and stuff like that. Yes. But yeah. when he seen this wheel, he seen it in a vision. He didn't yeah. see it um, physically. At least that's how I interpret when I read the many different versions that he was going. He It was basically he was, med he was in a vision like state, meditation type state. Yeah. Yeah. And he seen this wheel and he was, uh, and you know, Thousands of years later, now they have the Mars rover where the wheel, they actually have a wheel that actually can move like that. Yeah, but yeah. it makes me wonder, like you said, in, uh, with these dimen dimensions and stuff like that, uh, what are it? What if we are able to tap into things using our our minds? Because yeah, uh, a lot uh, of these inventors are able to invent stuff. Like I know a lot of these inventors seeing components of their inventions in their dreamlike state, and then wake yeah. up and boom! Now, now that we yeah. have this, this um, Ty Tyrone, have have you read this one? Uh, and that's the one I want to get. That's the one I'm getting next. Yeah. Uh, You'll have to get a copy and read it. We'll have to get together and talk some more because I'm sure we have a lot to uh, a lot to share about this um, out of body experiences. That's awesome. For, for those of you who are just listening and not watching it, it's uh, the Quantum Akashic Field: A Guide to Out of Body Experience for the Astral Traveler, um, written by Jim Willis. So I'm hoping that uh, we can talk about that sometime because I would sure like to plumb your mind because I just from what hearing you say. Um, lucid dreams and everything else uh i've noticed that the farther i get into it the more vivid my dreams become mm -hmm. and uh, i'm absolutely convinced that um it, it a lot of them are not simply dreams as described by modern sleep therapists but they are mm -hmm. actual out-of-body experiences i'm beginning to think that almost everybody probably at some time in their life has out-of-body trips uh, which they have confused with dreams mm -hmm. um, and, and then the problem comes you you see something that's outside of our dimension you know we live inside a five-fold fence called the the senses with that five-fold fence consists of our touch and our our seeing and our smelling and uh, what touch taste smell um, sight sight hearing. And, and hearing and uh you know that that's the basis of our scientific method. If we can't explain mm. it, something that fits inside those five, that five-fold fence, it's it's outside the realm of science. Well, mm -hmm. spirituality is outside the realm of science, yeah. and and the trouble is that language was used to invent what was invented to describe stuff that happens on our side of the fence, <laughs> and out there, 
language won't cut it. You know, Ezekiel had that great vision. Okay, to him, it was as clear as a bell. Then he tried to come back and explain it. Ha, try that sometime. No, he had no, to try no, to find words. <laughs> I, I, I really think that each of us has a, a Rolodex of experience in our minds. And when we have an out-of-body trip like that, we come back and our mind says, well, how am I going to explain this? I'll just find the experience that you've had that's closest to it, and I'll say it was this. So we can't say, I saw this. All we can say is, I saw something that seemed like this. Yeah, and then we right. try to explain it. And that's why we get in the Bible all of those tremendous uh, uh, descriptions of, uh, I, I think they were all shaman. I mean, I, Isaiah gets taken up to the heavens, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he, he's in the throne room and he's describing these fantastic beasts with four heads, you know, three of them are animals and one of them is a human. Mm -hmm. And he hears the voice of God saying, who can I send with a message? I mean, that's a classic shamanic experience. And he says, here am I, send me. Uh, the Apostle Paul had an out-of-body experience. All he could say was, I saw the Lord, whether in the body or out of the body. He says, I don't know. But you can read it for yourself in 2 Corinthians 11. Um, Ezekiel, of course, I, I, I think he was a, a, a shaman. He really was. And a lot of these, Moses, same, same kind of thing. They had these experiences. So, boy, stick with it, Tyrone, because, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, we have to... We have to keep talking about this. It's, it's really important, I think, and I, uh -huh. I think some, I, I think somehow that that uh, through meditation and out of body experience is not a way to find the truth. Sometimes I think it's probably the way we yeah. can find the truth. Maybe the only way we can find the truth. Um, maybe someday we will discover that uh, consciousness itself is the basis of reality, and that each of us are little pieces of that consciousness that is enshrined or encapsulated so to speak within this human material body but uh, we are more than our bodies yeah that and that's something we all need to explore more because there's you know there we've got so much so far to go on that like you know we have little fractional bits of of spirituality and what that may or may not mean yeah um and then we have science and then there's this big gap in between there so mm -hmm. I, i'm gonna also recommend another book to read at the same time as jim's akashic field um check out uh i think it's called science and the akashic field uh by erwin laszlo erwin laszlo yes excellent yeah. Excellent. And those book. those two books read them at the same time, and it's it's they really work well together. Yeah, Las Laszlo has done some great work on this. Uh, you know, he believes that that he, he he's the one that began to use make the term akashic field uh, mm -hmm. popular. You know, he uses mm -hmm. the ancient Sanskrit akashic, um, and it, it's just it, it's. Uh, I think the answer, you know, Ken was exactly right when he said. Um, you know, the answer is going to be to, we have to evolve, but by evolve, I don't mean physically, I mean, spiritually, the next great step of our evolution is going to be metaphorically within the human heart, I think. Mm. Um, this is what makes me so upset some sometimes with people like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, I love him. I love to hear him talk. I, he's a great, great person, but he makes a great uh, point out of saying that just because somebody says, I see it, or I saw it, uh, he said, that's the least um, 
the lowest common the lowest kind of testimony that we can accept in a court is somebody saying i saw it with my own eyes he said we got to have proof well at least when he says proof he means material proof mm -hmm. and we're talking about something that i don't think you're gonna be able to find material proof for the existence well of and there is i mean there's tons of material proof for all <laughs> kinds of things that academics will just know yeah yeah uh, yeah you're, you're give right give me all the you know, give me all the proof. Oh, I don't like it. Yeah. Throw it in the garbage. Therefore, it is not proof. Yeah. 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 You, you, you just, I just thought of something when you said bringing the, you know, the material proof from, from a different place. Um, there was a movie, Freddy Krueger. I can't remember which Freddy Krueger, but you're, I don't know if you remember, but they was trying to bring a piece of him back to reality and they actually did it in... Um, and oh, Freddy from the dream versus, yeah freddie from yeah. freddie versus versus jason they actually brought him back from you know from the from the dreamlike state that we're talking about where he told yeah. to people you know so yeah that that would be hard to do because there is no way to do that um uh, unless we we you know we go from different universes or dimensions or what yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. you know or something like that but in reality it's really hard to 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 take you know, something in a dreamlike state or meditation and, and explain it. I know I, yeah, whenever I yeah. do remember my dreams, it's hard to explain it where people will um, understand it. I'll be like, well, I dreamt something about like, oh, I was on a boat fishing or something, but it doesn't talk. Of, I, I don't go into details how, you know, yeah. I felt the water and how it made me feel. And I was scared. Right, and, you know, I was right. thinking about this and it, it, you don't go into detail because you don't really know how to explain that feeling like you have like when i'm sometimes when i have these dreams it's like i'm living it like like i am right now like that's how yeah. real it is to me it's really well, who knows that real who knows but maybe that was the reality and you you are the dream of the person that was in that reality <laughs> and i so, have read that so many different yeah. times someday we're gonna wake up and say ah i knew it all along yeah you know? i was just dreaming <laughs> the whole time <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah now how but do i know this is in a dream <laughs> but that's you know that's yeah. that's that's where I, I i i discover new stuff in in even my own religion christianity um when i say the words for instance uh you know, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That used to be a kind of a platitude. Now I begin to understand because uh, in a way we're living by faith and not by sight because we're going into a world that, we, you know, we can't bring anything back from that world uh, into this material existence. It's on the other side of the Higgs field, you know, um, it's on the on the energy side rather than the material side of the Higgs field or in the Akashic field, the gift of potential. And uh, I, I just, I, I sometimes wonder if, if our whole life is maybe just a process of trying to get to the point where we will accept that which we know to be true, even though we can't prove it. Um, and, I, and I'm not the first person to say that. The Apostle Paul said it. Isaiah said it. Ezekiel said it. Jesus said it. Moses said it. You know, they all had that, an experience of something that was real and true and, and meaningful. And they tried to come back and tell us about it. That's interesting, though, because that, that the idea of living by faith, not by sight, isn't that exactly what Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson was saying? Like he's saying, I have faith in science yeah, and because yeah. of this evidence, and I don't believe my eyes. Yeah, I refuse to 
to believe my eyes. Yeah. And, and that's a problem, right? Yeah. And I and, think it's and, the same problem yet, that the Apostle Paul has. Yeah. And yet the quantum uh, quantum reality is is really upsetting a lot of scientists because it's 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 one of the most proven theories of ever in science and yet no one's ever seen a subatomic particle <laughs> you know you can't yeah. see into that world it's too small but we know it's true so yeah. what do we well, do well i've never seen an electron either but i have no. a degree in electronics and yeah. i know that <laughs> shit works yeah so <laughs> you you uh you know you you flick a light switch and the light goes on you met it you just accept it as a matter of faith you're surprised when it doesn't as a matter of fact yeah. go on so yeah uh who who is to say that uh we can't uh well, when, when Ken said we have so much more to do in this field, I, I, I agree. There are people doing it. Uh, Dean, Dean uh, Raiden and I have had some uh, conversations back and forth out at the Noetic Institute, you know, oh, yeah. uh, when I've asked him questions about his work, and he's been so gracious to write back. Um, the Monroe Institute, uh, uh, where, you know, founded by Bob Monroe for out-of-body studies, is doing a tremendous amount of work uh, in out-of-body work. And a lot of it is is uh, proven, and a lot of it is you know experiments that you can repeat. You know mm -hmm. the idea of 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 helping people out, psychopomp and everything else. I mean, you can you can help somebody out of the darkness into the light, and then it's possible to go back and actually look into their records, find out who the person was. Did the person really live? You know, find the birth record, find the death mm -hmm. record, and discover. Yeah, that's to me that seems like proof. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think one of the, like, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent convinced on, on a lot of that stuff. Um, like, but I know that there's something to it. Um, and to me, I think part of the problem that I'm wrestling with is, is just, again, it comes down to language. So the same yeah. way that Ezekiel had to use whatever words he could to yeah. describe if this was a UFO or, or, a yeah, who knows yeah. what he saw. Um, and, so I, I see the same thing happening where, um, like right now, a lot of people are talking about these uh, spiritual concepts and, you know, stuff that sounds a little bit weird. And they're, they're using a lot of times um, sort of they're borrowing words from science, yeah. that, but they're using it in a little bit different way. So when they're talking about like frequencies and vibrations and stuff like this, to me, I have a hard time with that because... I understand what frequencies and, and vibrations are from a physics perspective. Yeah. Um, and they're saying it from a different perspective and they don't mean the same thing. So to me, that's difficult to jive. And I, I'm just getting caught up on what I think frequencies are. Um, yeah. And so I think that that's a lot of times is that, uh, you know, some of this stuff we, if I were to go, well, that's scientifically, that's wrong and I can prove it. Yep. Yeah. But because I'm focusing on the words, they're not really, they don't really care about the words. That's just the best words that they could come up with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it's, it's difficult because we have to think about any, when we're approaching any of these concepts, like this whole book really is just all about um, things, ideas, uh, things that have happened phenomenon and historical events too uh but in in every case um there's 
some kind of preconceived notion that we have um, yeah. even with the word God or the word yeah. pyramid or, you know, spaceship, like all of these things have, uh, have these certain meanings in my mind that might not be the same as the meaning in Ezekiel's yeah. or Moses's yeah. Yeah. or, you know, the shaman's mind from, like you said, from 40,000 years ago. Yeah. What were those and, guys thinking? I and, don't and, know. And it, ma it makes it hard, doesn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm I find myself, you know, forty years in the minute in the active ministry, I find myself very hard to use the word God nowadays, mm -hmm. because when I use the word God, I'm al almost positive that I know what I mean. But when yeah. somebody hear me hears me use it, they just assume that I'm talking about the meaning that they have. Right. And it's, I know it's what probably... they mean, but I don't know what I mean anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Boy. I'm glad y'all said that because um, in your book, you know, Ancient Gods, uh, on page nine, you talked about Gilgamesh. And that, that hits me because for a very long time, I always thought the Gilgamesh story was was based on, on facts or true because that's all I, that's all I knew. Um, it wasn't until I read uh, Andrew George's uh, book, the Epic, the Epic of Gilgamesh, a new mm -hmm. translation, and in his book, he actually states, though the story Gilgamesh is certainly fiction, William L. Moran's diagnosis, diagnosis is a warning not to read the epic as a myth. Now, when I looked at the definition and origins of the word myth, all yeah. it really means is it's based on a traditional oral story. It doesn't mean it does have the definition. They're saying that it's fact or fiction is one of the definitions, but yeah. that's not what it originally meant. Myth yeah. meant that it was passed on from one person to the next and then so on and so forth. That's what it meant. Right. And then later on in life and um, in, in our time, that's when they added another diction, uh, definition to the diction. Uh, uh, to myth and saying that is it could be either fact or fiction yeah, yeah. or it, or it could just be fiction just depending on where you get your definition from and right. it's interesting because um when i read that though it's certainly fiction don't not read it as a myth now when i don't read it as a myth is you're telling me don't read it from my understanding is yeah. don't read it as a traditional oral story because i know i like to like like i said earlier when i'm reading a book and i don't understand something i want to know the origins yeah. of it and a yeah. myth was one, one of the origins so i'll go to etymology dictionary.com i think that's what it is i know it's the etymology dictionary online i go in there and i type in the word and it actually breaks down actually the origins of the word how it came to be where it started from where, where they believe it started from and how it, it became to where it's at today in you know 2022 and so forth so yeah. i don't understand um yeah you know it, it's it's weird because uh, me and ken actually had uh i posted something on my facebook I, like i said i have a lot of um different uh, social network sites where i post my information and stuff because i take the tab i take pictures of the tabs and i'll talk about it and get other people's opinion based on it and a lot of people actually um actually asked, i should have told you this earlier jim some people asked me where to get your book from so i directed them to to amazon of course but sure. um what i do is i take pictures of the the page of what that person is saying so that way they know that it's that it's not me making anything up it's actually the yeah. author's um verbs and i say hey this person said ramp remember i talked about zechariah sitchin ken where he mm -hmm. said that it was ramp and um i went to and i have the robert alter translation of the hebrew bible and so i went to you know 2810 i think it is genesis 2810 and i looked at 
you know, where he was talking about the the ramp and, or the the ladder is uh, uh, Jacob's yep. ladder when he was talking about Jacob's ladder. Sure. And I looked at it and it actually said ramp. And he actually says, Robert Alter in his uh, commentary says, it was never a ladder, but a ramp. Now, um, the whole thing about Jacob's ladder is uh, these angels coming from heaven to earth from a ladder. That's what the depiction yeah. is. You know, they, they're supposed to be coming down off on the ladder. But when I look at that as a picture, the first thing that runs to my mind is why would, first of all, why would angels use a ladder go to yeah. transport from heaven to earth? You know, um, from what I understand, going to church is basically they, they they just they can just basically just appear um, yeah. using their wings to fly or whatever. That's the basic knowledge. But um, every Christmas, I put Christmas lights up on my house, and sometimes I have to use a ladder depending on you know the issue. And I'm just thinking, you know, I don't even have wings, so I can just imagine you know coming <laughs> down the ladder with wings. So I'm I'm wondering, you know, what did the depiction is, and. In Robert Alter's book, in, in, his, in his translation of the Hebrew Bible, he says it's a ramp. Now, looking at the Mesopotamian ziggurats, I believe that's how you say the word for the for their pyramids. Yeah, it's yeah. it looks like a long set of stairs that's like a ramp, a ramp stairs that walks all the way to the top. And we know that in those times in ancient Mesopotamia, um, no matter if it's the Sumerians, the Akkadians, the you know whoever it was. On the top of that uh, ziggurat was the home of their God, of their yeah. chosen, of their city state. So when you see uh, messengers of the God from the temple, if you look at it from uh, from our physical form, our you know physical humans standing on top of that that ziggurat, that God, King, or whatever you want to classify him as, sends his messengers down that ramp. So it, it makes more sense. I'm not going to say it, does, it makes more sense because that's kind of that's kind of rude. It, it's just, I understand it better yeah. versus yeah. looking uh, uh, angels with wings, you know, <laughs> coming from heaven <laughs> to earth down a ladder when there's there's other ways for them to transport. But if I was to look at it from the more physical form way and, and try to see the other perspective of it from Robert Archer's side, knowing what I know about ancient Mesopotamia and their gods and stuff like that, I can see how those messengers of those gods in ancient Mesopotamia was walking down the ziggurat and it, people down below was like, oh, they're about to send us a message because yep, they only yep. come down to send us a message. You're you're gonna have a hard time convincing people though because uh, <laughs> it, it gets it gets it gets locked in with the the silliest little things like can you imagine we are climbing Jacob's ramp See, that doesn't fit gotta I know, be a ladder got to be a ladder right because it fits the song better you know yeah. <laughs> no, I, but that, that's just but how if I you think, think about sorry if you if you think of in terms of um, the shamanic side of it or the akashic experiences um like that almost sounds more like something that you would see if you were astral projectioning to a remote location so mm -hmm. jacob might have just been remote viewing and was yeah. actually looking at a literal ziggurat in babylon a couple hundred miles to the north of where he was um and actually watching people walking up and down this essentially a pyramid right i mean mm -hmm. so that that gives us more explanations of what may or may not have been going on which i think is good to have uh yeah. kind of hold these different stories in your mind instead of trying to decide on which one is right yeah um, just which ones could they be which ones might be and then that gives us more puzzle pieces you know
Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, and does I, it I, and does it change the story? Does it really change? Yeah, does the ramp in right. the later ladder change the story? And in right. my eyes, no, it doesn't. But how many words can you change until that story is changed? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> I'm doing right now. I'm doing a um uh a retranslation of the book of Job. Mm -hmm. And believe me, that story is changed like <laughs> radically. Yeah, yeah. There are, you know, that when I was, when I used to teach the book of Job, um, you know, there are some people who place it relative. I, I don't know, Ken, where you place it historically. There are some people who say that it's a, it's one of the last books of the New Testament to be written. There are others who say that it's could very well be the first book of the Old Testament yeah. ever written. Very ancient. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot, a lot can change in the telling, but, uh, and then translation we, but I think Ken, you're absolutely right. And, 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 and you too, Tyrone, when you say, uh, you know, having these different ideas, uh, it, it's, it's, it's very easy to take these ancient stories and get them cemented into concrete, you know, and say, this mm -hmm. is the way it is period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the I think the important thing is is to let them live, let them out, let them breathe, and and see what the possibilities are. I really do. Yeah. Like yeah. Said, and so taking it back to ancient gods, I guess, like just look at say the pantheon from from Egypt through to Greece through to Rome, uh, because they're all based on the Egyptian yeah. stuff. Um, like really, the see. Possibly, even, this... possibly even Christianity is based on the Christian stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that stuff is very become very formalized, and very um, ac the academics like to categorize everything yeah. Yeah. and uh, and understand it all. So, like you know, um, Tote becomes the god of wisdom, but mm -hmm. maybe that's not exactly all he cared about. Right, the yeah. original whoever this character was originally um, right. or like, you know, you've got a, a sea God or a fire God. And a lot of times um, we kind of, even like the way that we've been trained, if we, if we had any training in mythology at all, it's always very narrow. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, Poseidon is just the sea God. Well, they don't even tell you that he's also the God of horses. Yep. Mm -hmm. which, which is odd, right? But like, right. so there's all of these things where everything's oversimplified. Yeah. And yeah. even, I think even the fact of these guys are gods, I think that's an oversimplification. I, I don't think that it was necessarily um, the, a place where you go to temple and worship uh, Poseidon. I mean, yeah. it did happen, uh, but I think originally, I think that that was sort of a institutionalized version of whatever the Poseidon story or myth was actually about yeah. Yeah. hundreds of years or thousands of years previously, where there was something interesting going on. And a lot of that's gotten lost. And, and it gets, you know, a lot of it depends on, on who translates it to. I mean, take, yeah. take the Apostle Paul. Here's a guy who wrote a third of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. um, and here, you know, just look at him, first of all, geographically, where he lived. He lived right smack uh, at, at the center of the crossroads. If you're going to go to Egypt by land to Europe, you go through mm -hmm. what we now know as Israel today. If you're going to go, if you're going to follow the the uh, the Silk Road to China, you know, there are offshoots that come right down into Palestine. 
Uh, so here he is living in this place where all of this trade is going on, and along with trade comes the stories that the traders tell. Besides that, uh, he was he was born a Jew and educated in Greek and Latin, and uh, so he was aware of all these things. Wouldn't it be perfectly natural for him to take a lot of these stories, the Greek stories, the Egyptian stories, the Babylonian stories, and combine them in a way that we know today as Christianity. You see a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of uh, similarities between them, and mm -hmm. it could very well be that. And in, in here's the Apostle Paul creating. I don't want to sound too heretical, but a whole new mythology that we we know today as Christianity. Does that mean it's not meaningful or it's not real? No, I mean it. It, it means that if anything, it's more meaningful because it has all these different um, in in in. Uh, uh, you know, inroads to it and all these different streams that uh, that go to make up the pond that is called Christianity. So I, I, I think we make a mistake if we're afraid to admit some of this stuff and follow it through. I, I think it's a mistake. I really do. Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of fear there because, um, I mean, you're right. Oh, yeah. Christianity yeah. is highly uh, syncretic. Um, there was all kind like, okay, so the resurrection was taken from previous stories. Uh, previous uh, mythologies and religions the, the birth um, the birth yep the yep. the annunciation uh yep. the the virgin well, birth um yeah. the resurrection uh so all of these things like there's literally nothing in christianity that's new um yeah. that wasn't wasn't right. already in another religion or or uh, thought process yeah. so but the the thing is um christianity does not does basically denies any of that and yeah. if you if you are to if you start to notice it that's a big problem yeah um so, so that's kind of the real problem right there is that why deny it there's no so it's they're afraid of the fear so then there's this like fear upon fear upon fear but none yeah. of those things need to be afraid but there is a fear that does need, that is well founded um, because it's the control factor. Yeah. Um, so the people in control are afraid of losing that control, and they rightly should be because, um, yeah, and you know, and they, and they deny their own faith because in 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 their own Bibles it says perfect love casts out fear. That's right. And rather than you know relate to these other ideas through through love and through a love of the truth, for instance, a love of yeah. you know trying to get to the bottom of things as you say we fear and uh, the last enemy to be destroyed according to the apostle paul in first corinthians 15 the last enemy destroyed to be destroyed is 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 the fear of death yeah. uh and uh that's that's a that fear is a is a pretty pretty potent word it describes a lot of what goes on in religion because that's how people use control they do it yeah. today they people want to control us through fear uh, absolutely and it's not people, just religion it's politics no, it's yeah. economics oh it's... yeah and, and and media stations you know there's some media stations that they want us to get us to watch to put their nielsen ratings up so how did the what's the best way to do it? say everything's <laughs> yeah. fine no they say, yeah. be afraid be very yeah. afraid this might happen that might happen <laughs> oh right. man be on the edge of your seat you know be scared all the time it's a terrible thing just a terrible yeah. thing 
So I wonder then, and and I I I think it's interesting too that uh, when Jesus and uh, the story goes in his post post uh, resurrection appearances, almost always when he meets a new group of people, his first words are, "Fear not," yes, (laughs) because they were they were terrified. He must have been scary looking. Um, (laughs) But let's go back to forty thousand years ago when these guys were okay. So let take a look at these guys' life. So you're Mm. a hunter gatherer most likely mm-hmm. um according to most academics there was no uh agriculture at all yeah. um mm-hmm. until around four thousand years i'm not sure if i believe that but that's the status yeah so Gen- generally so, they're saying you know gobekli tepe is pretty well accepted now so they're they're generally saying uh you know eight thousand ten thousand eight hundred years ago something like sure that now. Mm-hmm. so so everybody will agree that there was definitely not farming 40,000 years ago. So so these guys are people who are very in touch with the animals around them because yeah. they are eating them, they're hunting them and they're being eaten by yeah. them. Yeah. So when when you're out hunting, um I mean I don't really do any hunting myself, but I imagine that there's got to be some uh, some fear involved and in a good way too because you have to have a healthy respect for the animals and even just the environment that you're in uh, because there's a lot of stuff out there that will kill you uh, without a second thought and can do so easily. Yeah. So, so that's the kind of life that these guys are living day in and day out. And then as a, some kind of timeout, they, they are now let's not go hunting today. Today we're going to walk a mile underground and crawl and i don't know how long it would take to do that some of those little passages you have to like wiggle through it's probably taking them hours to get down there um with a torch or whatever they had um and and so instead of going hunting that day they went delving down into the earth to do to do just some art or like to do mushrooms or like what are they doing and yeah. and they end up you know painting hands on the walls and stuff like yeah, this yeah. and i i have to wonder like what was it really like certainly fear plays a part of it in that yeah. but i think that they had a healthier uh, relationship with fear it was kind of a day-to-day thing respected but it, was, it was respected Yep. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a survival tactic rather than a uh, control tactic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So so then I also wonder if these early concepts of the gods, which, I mean, we don't know who the gods were 40,000 years ago, um, but presumably when we started having these kind of abstract thoughts and, and we're doing, started doing art and, you know, using language and stuff like that, um, presumably you know, a lot of what was on their minds is survival and, and getting through the day and things like, okay, what will happen if, and I think that that's maybe one of the, some of the earlier, earliest um, ideas about, uh, about making up these kind of God characters um, is maybe a way to deal with some of those questions. Like, uh, you know, the, they're, the god of the hunt um, is probably one of the oldest um, archetypes of, uh, in terms of gods because, you know, they would have been like 
having hope like so now it comes back to faith again mm-hmm. um when you're when they're waking up in the morning to go out hunting um maybe they started to do like a little ritual or a little prayer or they would be you know asking the hunting god to to help them with their with their hunt today yeah. um so to me i think that there's like it's not a far step from that exact mo- mentality and an actual action uh, to what happens um, with many Christians today uh, that still do the exact same thing when you wake up every day and you pray to God to help you with whatever tasks you have on hand for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's such an ancient tradition. Um, and that says, I don't know what it says to me, but it, well, there's it, a lot it, in there. It's it's a... Uh... It, it is definitely a control factor. And you can see mm-hmm. that this time of year, you know, I mean, let's face it, the great God, Santa Claus, he, know, he knows when you've been <laughs> sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good right. for goodness sake, you know, yes, to get yes. rewarded. Uh, we use that. We use that over and over and over again. It's a, ah, it yeah. says something about us. It says something. About us. <laughs> you you yeah. brought up, um, when you brought up religion, when y'all brought up religion, it was interesting because going back to your book, Ancient Gods, um, you wrote it in there, and it's about uh, Akhenaten's, I guess, seizures, like uh, visions and stuff. And you said, uh, it may sound silly to say that an epileptic seizure marked the birth of monotheism. Do you still believe that? Can you go into depth with that? Because that, that I, yeah. when I, I tabbed that three times yeah. because yeah. I was like, that that's that's something that makes me think because i believe it was also constantine who had a vision of the cross and that's what changed him to um getting rid of all the yeah yeah by this sign ye shall conquer yeah uh when i first came up to the land that i live on now out here in the woods of south carolina i didn't know that it's an ancient ancient site where people have been gathering for Oh, thousands of years. As a matter of fact, right down the Savannah River from us is the topper site that has uh, evidence of human artifacts that go back 40,000 years, which mm-hmm. has really upset the whole archaeological up, uh, apple cart. I'm so right if, down the road. if they were right down the road, then they were here. And we discovered, lo and behold, that we live on a quartz quarry where people have been coming to gather the blanks to make their, their stones. And we found hundreds of... Uh, um, debitage, we found weapons, uh, we found spear points, arrow points, all kinds of things here on the property where people have been coming all this time. And as they as they come here, I'm sure that they left a spiritual presence, you might say. Uh, and uh, as I have been here and have had these out-of-body experiences here on this place, something began to happen. Uh, I began to have epileptic seizures. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey. I, uh, some of them were just, uh, you know, not not that strong. Some of them, uh, a couple were, you know, really grand mal epileptic seizures. And in some of them, I actually saw visions and heard voices of of, of people and beings and entities and uh, I never wanted to treat the epilepsy because I know from dealing with a lot of people in the in the past who have had uh, this kind of thing that I know that 
if if you're hooked up to an MRI machine, the very same sections of the brain that record an epileptic seizure are the very same sections of the brain that record uh, a out-of-body experience. So I didn't want to take medicine to close the doors on epilepsy because I thought I'd also be shutting the doors on epilep on, on uh, visions and, and out-of-body experiences. Now, I haven't had any severe seizures for a long time right now, but at, at precisely the time of my life when I was starting to have out-of-body experiences, that's when I developed epilepsy. I can't believe it's a coincidence. Hmm. Uh, I, I think in a sense, my brain was being re rewired, so to speak, so I could look at the world in a different place and wow. write, write about it in a different way. And you're um, on land that's basically made out of crystals because that's yeah. what quartz is, right? Yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah. Say yeah. that too because you talk about that in your book, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. There's uh, there's uh, rock piles around that nobody can yeah. explain. Uh, you, and you built a medicine wheel, right? Yes, I built a medicine yeah. wheel. <laughs> matter of, matter <laughs> matter of fact, the the medicine wheel is in the valley down below my house. And uh, every every year, because I'm still uh, an ordained, a certified ordained minister, uh, every year I get the computer printout from my denomination that says, you know, what church are you going to? Where are you serving or whatever? And I don't go to a church uh, now and I'm not serving any church. So I started to write. Uh, I, I, I attend the Church of the Medicine Wheel. And uh, I'm sh I was sure nobody was going to read it. Well, 12, 15 years later, uh, that's I'm still listed in the book as Jim Willis, pastor of the Church of the Medicine Wheel. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, now that I've now that I've let it let it slip, you watch someone will someone will uh, find me out. <laughs> well, next time I'm in your neighborhood, uh, you can have a service for me, and then th oh, there'll yeah. definitely be a. You would, church for you, real you would love it uh, there's the, uh, i'm in georgia there's the shaman <laughs> there's well there's you'll have to come out sometime because you're you're close enough tyrone you can come out here yeah we'll have to take I, you to I the, definitely will. we'll take you to the shaman circle where uh uh i want to have my ashes buried when i are scattered when i die and uh it's a very powerful shamanic spot i'm i'm convinced that down through the years there have been people who have uh, died here on this property or, or who now live here and it's full of spiritual entities. And it's, I, I believe that it's where I'm going to be when I, when I go, but plus there's the medicine wheel, plus there's a, uh, another place that we call the spiral. Plus there's a place we call the Sabuco circle where my own spiritual guide used to chip out his, his, uh, he was originally a stone worker a long time ago and uh, it's it's pretty magical magical place so tyrone you're close enough you'll have to drive out someday yeah and, and that's very biblical that. on it. <laughs> how far how far how far are you from uh, uh, uh augusta um like two hours okay well we're about 45 minutes north of augusta on, on the, you um, know what we'll, we'll we'll make a um plan for next year I, matter of fact january in january i'm gonna send you a text message or uh, a, a email Oh, okay. I'm find out my wife's schedule, and I'm. I, I would love to come up there with my family with you. Just uh, oh, I, we'd love uh, to. We gonna, uh, we we would definitely talk about this. Okay, that sounds <laughs> sounds great. Yeah, uh, you know, Jan Jan lives next door. She's more. Uh, she's even farther uh, in in tune with this stuff than I am. Mm -hmm. 
um, uh, and it's and you know she'll she'll enjoy meeting you too. So it it'll it'll be good. Let's let's plan on it. And Ken, yes. you're only you're only three thousand miles away. You know, yeah, not that only. Far. <laughs> so, I'm I'm gonna come to that part of the world sometime. I I want to go to New York. I want to go to Boston. I I was almost there. I was very close to Boston. Uh, this year we were out in Nova Scotia and um, New Brunswick. So yeah. that's the closest I've gotten, but we just didn't have the time to to skip across the border there. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so Tyrone, what's another one of the tabs that you've got there on your list? Um, there's yeah, so this, much stuff in this, this book. This may have to be the last one because I'm I'm kind of on a, uh, a, oh, a, a time thing today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, this is so much fun. I hate to call it off. You know yeah. what? You know what? Well, how about we do this? How about since we come back to this again? I mean, I would love to do this again. Whenever you have sure. time, I mean, we can oh, all just sure. do this again. I, I, just, I mean, yeah. if, this just uh, I tell you what, get uh, get a hold of uh, Akashic Field, mm -hmm. and and uh, and and give it a quick read, and let's we'll add that into it because then no, I can what... then I can tell you all about uh, you know Ken, you were talking about being up in New Brunswick. Uh, yeah. Thank thanks to uh, to Google Earth, uh, I was able to draw uh, just for the fun of it. I I didn't plan on this happening, but it did. There is a straight line which runs from just south of Mexico, um, right in the head of Aztec country, you know, the capital of Aztec civilization, that uh -huh. runs right up through Plum Branch. And if you keep on going, the Great Circle Route, it goes right up through, are you ready for this? Here it comes, Oak Island. Oak Island. <laughs> and, and winds up at Stonehenge. Wow. Uh, does it go to the Yucatan Peninsula, like Chichen Itza? Because I'm going to be there next week. Uh, it's well, a little north of that. I mean, it, it's just okay. it's yeah. It, I mean, no, south of the Yucatan Peninsula. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's cool though. But it's really interesting. It runs runs right through here, and then there's another line that runs from my place through a lot of Indian uh, mound country and winds up at the Great medicine wheel in uh, North Dakota, which is oh, wow. also the, you know, the great Ben, great Ben medicine wheel. So oh, cool. it, it's a pretty, uh, pretty spiritual place. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'd sure you both love it. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll, um, I'll, I'll buy the book uh, probably next week. I'll get the book and I'll read it. It takes me like two days to read a book. So I'll probably read it like three times. So it'll probably take me like a week <laughs> to read it three times because I want to, I want to get as much information as I can. And I'll definitely, and I'll email both you and Ken. Um, me and Ken talk about continually doing this whenever, you know, we have sure. similar yeah, interests uh, and stuff like that. So, make, yeah. make sure to contact me through my daughter, Jan, because she sets up the schedule and everything else. But I guess you've okay. got, yeah, you've, you've got Jan's uh, email, right? Right. So yeah, yeah we've yeah. got her. Yeah. You can yeah. come, you can contact her and then she sets up all that stuff for me. Uh, okay. Because yeah. if you're in a rush, I, I, I would have been happy with just five minutes of your time because this, oh. I'm telling you, I, I really admire your work and, I, and, oh, thank and I, you. I'm a, thank I'm a you. big I fan it. of yours. And Thank you very you know, much. I, I have to apologize to Ken too, because um, Ken, I got to tell you something. Uh, <clears throat> About a, about a week ago, I was sitting down. I was like, I was telling my wife, "Hey, I got this really good uh, podcast interview with uh, Jim Willis and and Ken Goodsworth." And uh, she was like, "Oh, that's cool." She was like, "I know you you talk about it a lot." But I said, "You know what, babe? You know what's so funny? I was on Amazon and I was actually about to I was looking up a book to buy uh, the Enuma Elish, and I was like, I had it saved in my cart." 
And I have to apologize. It was your book. I didn't know you had that many books. I know I did research <laughs> on you, but yeah. you're on IMDb. You're on all kinds of places. Like I, I knew who, I knew who you were, but I didn't really dig deep like like I like I should have done. And I want to yeah. apologize because when we did that interview, I didn't know that I was a fan of yours like that either. I, I, I was, <laughs> the name wow. the name was uh, um I. I'm not good with things. Yeah, I, I remember faces, but I was just like, yeah. "Wow, Ken, Ken." He, I, I, I wrote like, a, Man. I wrote a, a a squib for that, didn't I? Was it? Yes, you did. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, so and uh, you're you're out there too. No, like you're you got people out there that really admire your work too, Ken. Like I, I don't put names together too well. I'm good with pictures and stuff like that. I guess you could say that if I was somebody that had to describe a picture, I want to tell you in detail. But, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have yeah. to apologize because I did not know that. You know, you guys are giving me opportunities, like you said when we first started this, and I don't, I'm not going to make this long. We probably would never have this discussion if we didn't have this technology because That's right. I yeah. mean, we're all from three different sides of the world. Yeah. We're all on three different sides of our mentalities and our experience in our lives. And just to be able to sit here to, to talk with because I never read books before when I was a little kid. I never I I hated books when I was a little kid. Now I got books all over the place and I got a Kindle and all kinds of stuff. And I read so much that it, it, it's like it's the opposite. It's the total opposite. So it's just amazing that I get to um interact with the authors that I admire. And I have to say I admire both of you guys. And I really appreciate you both giving me this opportunity. I really well, do. thank you. This this was our our well, pleasure. Thanks, I'm sure I can speak for Ken too that uh, this was fun, Tyron. We'll 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 plan on doing it again. All right, definitely. All right. All right. Okay. Well, you guys have a good day. You, thank you so now. much. We'll see you both now. All right. Take care. Bye see now. Ya.